When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Remember, Wednesday is now our roundtable day, so it's Mary Kate Cabot, Doug Marie, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams, and me, all on today's pod. And what we did today was fill in the blank or true and false questions. So everyone came up with at least one of those, we threw them out to the group, and we discussed them. We even did a little Zapruder-like film breakdown, or Zapruder film-like breakdown, whichever one you want. Hey, I was an English major in college, I can say what I want. We did a breakdown, whatever you want to call it, of Baker Mayfield's throwaway at the end of the game. Now, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you've got to be cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get information, get signed up, get that daily newsletter, become a tech subscriber, and get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. All right, here we go. Our Orange and Brown Talk podcast for Wednesday. Here we go with our Wednesday roundtable. Let's get right to it. Two or false or fill-in-the-blank questions. Uh, we're going to throw them out there, and everybody's going to respond. So, as usual, we did the draftlottery.com order. Mary Kay was the big winner. Doug was second. I'm third. Ellis is fourth. And Scott, apparently for the second straight time, comes up with the last pick. So, but, Scott, you kind of get to lay low and let the, let the order The anticipation. Yeah, the anticipation yeah. is going to build here. Let the questions come to you on this one. So, Mary Kay, lead us off with a fill-in-the-blank or a true or false. I'm going to go with a true or false. And my question is, based on what we saw in the opener against the Kansas City Chiefs, Baker Mayfield will still end up with or will end up being a top 10 quarterback in the NFL this season. True or false? Who wants to go first? I was going to say what I always ask with these kinds of questions is how how are we measuring that? You know what? I'm measuring it really as, as rating because that's about, uh, you know, the most universal thing. Obviously, there's QBAR and other things that we could do. Uh, but just in terms of flat out quarterback rating, because, you know, that generally turns out to be uh, the way we grade these quarterbacks. So top 10 quarterback in the NFL this season based on what we saw in Casey. Did anyone have him top 10 already? I think he was like 10th. I feel like I I probably thought he was 10th. I feel like I saw other things where it's like he was 10th a lot. So barely in. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say true. I think if he plays like he did against Kansas city all season long and, and you know, it's funny, the Browns are going to play worse teams than Kansas city, but they're going to play better defenses than Kansas city. But I think that's going to be okay. I I think it'll be fine. I, I, I think this is true. I think by the end of the year, we're going to say Baker Mayfield is a top 10 quarterback. I'll say true also. Anthony Schwartz did get the ball a lot on Sunday. Donovan Peoples-Jones did not. Odell Beckham Jr. did not play. Uh, Anthony Schwartz made some good plays, also had some maybe other opportunities. I, I just I think there's room for the passing game to still improve. And... The hard part of this is 
the way the game ended is sort of lingering over Baker right now, but that was almost perfect offense in the first half by the Browns. And it wasn't all him for sure, but I think they can look like they did in the first half a decent chunk of the time. And if they do that, then I think he would be hitting the threshold Mary Kay is talking about. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say yes. Um, he was actually, he was 11th in rating over the last second half of last season. He was uh, over a hundred in Cuban quarterback and passer rating. Yeah, I think that's totally doable. Now he's starting off uh, a little lower this year, but I mean, it's one week and you got guys who are, busting out, you know, 125 and guys who aren't going to be at that level all year, basically. So, uh, yeah, I think it's totally doable. And I think I am, I wouldn't be discouraged at all by what happened uh, with in the chiefs game. I think he played well. And like Doug said, I think your receivers are going to improve over the course of the season. Um, Not just getting Odell back just overall. And I think uh, you're not going to see Donovan people's Jones get one target and like 47 snaps. I think he's, you know, there's, there's improvement to be had there. And I think he's going to benefit from that. Yeah. By answering this question last, I was able to pull up some stats. Uh, Baker 17th in rating right now with a 97.5. I would have loved to see what that number would have been, of course, before the interception, uh, even halfway through the third quarter. Uh, I will say true because it's still just set up that way, right? There, this is not the time nor place to discuss Baker as a top 10 quarterback in a vacuum, but when you take the surroundings and his situation, it is set up for exactly that. And he played like a top 10 quarterback on Sunday until really those final two drives. And that, again, is going to be what is going to define the Browns in these big games and what really is going to make Baker Mayfield the top 10 quarterback. No one wants to him to be a, a stats, Kirk Cousins volume type of quarterback. It's going to come down to those moments because that's what this team has positioned themselves for. And again, he was, he was had that all in the bag until those last two drives. And I've been on the record saying that we all need to be patient with this offense as Kevin Stefanski figures out exactly what it is. And it's going to be top five just because of personnel, but the best version of it, it will arrive in late October. And I just looked at some other stats real quick. I just want to cite this. It's just the context is hard. For instance, in QBR, Baker was 12th this week. And you just compare that to like another random quarterback that some people really like. I don't know, like a guy like Carson Wentz, who was 26th. You know, and so you can just see how much better Baker was than some other guys in week one. Oh. Random guys. Just, I just I just pulled a random name out of a hat. <laughs> yeah, a couple things here that I that I wanted to point out about whether or not Baker Mayfield is going to end up as a top 10 quarterback. And I'm going to say true as well. And I think we're all on the same page with this. I think we all uh, really felt that we saw him take his game up to another level uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs, which is obviously a very good football team. Um, But there are some other things I think uh, that we need to consider here when we think about this question. And that is some of the things that I saw this weekend gave me a little bit of pause about what the Browns are going to be facing this season. And you cannot overreact. I understand that. You cannot overreact to week one. But the Steelers' defense looks pretty darn good, right? They look pretty darn good. Last season, Baker only had to face the starting Steelers' defense one time. 
this season, I think he's probably going to have to face the starting Steelers defense both times. So that's two weeks of a really good swarming, pressuring defense that he's going to have to face. Okay. That can impact obviously ratings and interceptions and sacks and all that kind of stuff. Obviously the Cardinals defense, Chandler Jones, wowza, five sacks in his first uh, game of the season coming off of injury uh, paired with, with JJ Watt, that's shaping up to be a really formidable defense to have to play. And when I look back at last season, the Browns did not face a lot of really strong pass rushers, let alone pass rush duos, not a lot. Uh, so I think that's something to consider. That's going to be a tough game. The Ravens defense still looked pretty darn good to me. I mean, I think it's huge that Marcus Peters is gone. I think it's absolutely huge. Yeah. Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey have a way with shutting down or at least managing Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. They're very physical with them. They beat them up and they usually seem to win that matchup a lot of the time. So when Marcus Peters went down, I was like, forget it. They're, stick a fork in the Ravens. The Browns are winning the AFC North. But they showed out yesterday. Chuck Clark played really well. Marlon Humphreys is who he is, and they've got a lot of really good guys on that defense. So that's going to be two really tough weeks. So we're already looking at, you know, a, a lot of quality defenses that these guys are going to have to go against. And then the other thing is, my goodness, the quarterback play in the NFL right now, right? I mean, who had fun watching that game last night? Wowza. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Derek Carr looked I'm sorry, Derek Carr looked really, really good. So some guys might end up bumping themselves up into the top 10 this season that we didn't necessarily expect to be there. I mean, who knows? I mean, Joe Burrow, you know, however he comes along this season, you know, he could be a factor in inching his way up, up those standings. So the quarterback play has been phenomenal, starting all the way with the Thursday night game where, you know, Tom Brady was just absolutely amazing. And I thought Lamar looked really good last night. So I think it's going to be hard to be in the top 10 because the quarterback play right now is there's a renaissance in it in the NFL. There's like, it's so fun to watch the NFL right now with the way these quarterbacks are playing. And I think he can do it. I really think he can do it, but it's going to be tricky to get into the top 10 this year. I, so he'll be I was going to ask real quick. I, I was going to ask because we all agreed. I was going to say, why does, why is this going to be false? I think Mary Kay just answered that question. For, exactly. <laughs> else. exactly. He'll be tied for 10th with six other quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, I, I, I just want to say, I just want to put it out there. Still out on the Steelers. Don't care. Don't care about Sunday. It's you sound like, you sound like, you sound like Doug last year on the bills. That, that Reminiscent. One, so one, one offensive touchdown. Yeah. The Bills outgained them by like 100 yards. But that's so a good offense. Bills defense. That's a good Bills defense. I you don't that one, Steel, one offensive touchdown. Wait a minute, they're but that's Steel, 7 to 9 games. The Steel No, I'm not saying that they're going to be uh the AFC North champions, but I think that defense is going to keep them in a lot of football games and make things tough on opposing offenses this season. I, that's a good defense. Say that, that to Mike Tom. Say that to Mike Tomlin's face, Dan. I'd never, <laughs> never. If I was talking to Mike Tomlin face to face, I'd say, "Congrats on the 13 win season." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, Doug. The Browns 
and their fans should feel blank about Tyrod Taylor this week? And I think my answer is something like weirdly concerned that he just was like competent. We know we got a little taste of competent Tyrod Taylor and it's such a mess in Houston right now. And I think when you looked at the schedule and it was like, well, as long as it's not to John Watson, whatever. And then it's like, he was, you know, it's the Jags in week one and the Jags are a mess, but I, I like, he was just Tyrod Taylor, 20 of one of 33, 291 yards, two touchdowns. Like make sure you're all about this dude, because I don't know if it's a revenge game. He's been around the league. He would have a lot of things to avenge, but he's a competent quarterback. So be careful. Mm, this is a tough one. I'll go. So can you rephrase one? Was it Browns? The fans? Browns and their fans should feel blank about right. Tyrod Taylor this week. The Browns and their fans should feel relieved that Tyrod Taylor is not their quarterback this week. Y'all have already done this. Look, <laughs> I've been watching a little bit of the Texans tape and Doug, he's exactly what you said. He is. He's Tyrod Taylor. And they just abused a J- Jacksonville defense that was all over the place, not ready to play and an offense that was penalized and couldn't get out of their own way, turning the ball over three times. But Tyrod is going to come into Cleveland and do exactly that. Take what's available to him. But I promise you, and you guys saw it live, you know, of course I wasn't here yet this offense with Tyrod Taylor would not nearly be as explosive and advantageous as it is with Baker Mayfield. I I know I don't need to say that, but I understand the positive twist on Tyrod and the revenge, the revenge factor is baked in there. Remember how his season ended a year ago. I mean, his own medical staff poked him in the lung and and that's how he lost his starting job to yet another rookie. And then as Dan likes to say, led him to the, the rookie touchdown record. So I understand the revenge and the emotion uh, but at the end of the day, the Browns have someone who we just talked about has a real shot at being top 10, and that's Baker Mayfield. And this offense would not even be close to what it is, despite how much we rave about being at the best roster. It would not even be close to what it is if Tyrod Taylor were still here. I was going to say, can, can I just say feel nothing about Tyrod Taylor? I mean, no feelings for Scott. <laughs> I have not watched the Texans yet. Um, I'm still, in, still watching the Chiefs game and but just watching the defensive line, uh, quarterbacks who are not as mobile and as good as Patrick Mahomes, I'm not sure how they're going to survive what was going on in that game. And I, Tyrod Taylor is not that person. So I, I don't think yeah, – I'm with Ellis on this. I don't think you should be concerned about Tyrod Taylor. The one thing I, – I do wonder how mobile quarterbacks are going to – um, impact the Browns this year because the Chiefs were using that pass rush against the Browns a good amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially I tweeted this out that dr- go watch that drive after the Chubb fumble. They were letting guys, they were letting Clowney, Garrett, they were letting guys come through unblocked so they could just throw around them. Now, Tyrod Taylor can't throw from the arm angles Patrick Mahomes does. So that's that's where other teams just can't do what the Chiefs can do. But when you face guys who are mobile, you know, Kyler Murray, we'll, we'll probably talk about the Cardinals a little later, but you know, how are those guys going to impact the Browns? I still would not be worried about him. Now, Doug, did this question just end with the Browns and their fans should feel blank about Terod Taylor? Yes. What was it specific to the Texans? Well, that he that coming in with the Texans. Okay. Right. That I was just going to say the Browns and their fans should feel thankful about Terod Taylor. 
Well, they get it. Will they give him a little standing out? Like, what are they getting? They're going to get cheer for him, just, you think? What are they I don't know what cheer for him, but I just think he helped bring this kind of sense of normalcy with him. They were the Browns were allowed to say, hey, this is the guy, slowed the hype train down just a little bit, you know, kind of pumped the brakes just a tad on Baker Mayfield and just gave, you know, it wasn't normal because we all saw that hard knock season, but at least sort of you had a guy who was a professional, knew what he was doing. You know, I, I kind of want to hear what Baker has to say about how Tarad helped him, you know, when we get to talk to Baker this week. But just having that veteran guy there, I think, was probably good for Baker early on, even though Baker probably should have been the starter from week one. Uh, you know, so, so that's what I would say. As far as – and you know what? They should be thankful that he's the quarterback of the Texans too <laughs> because it's, why the Brown, it's part of why the Browns will be one and one. You know, I would say that um, Browns fans, Browns and their fans – should be relieved, relieved that Tyrod Taylor is starting this game instead of Deshaun Watson, because (laughs) Deshaun Watson is still a dangerous quarterback. And with what you saw them do yesterday, again, I think that they are going to probably kill the Texans. But when you get a really good quarterback out there, you never know what can happen. And a team gets a couple of takeaways here and there. You never know. Uh, so I would say uh, relieved that they don't have to face Deshaun because even on a bad football team, a good quarterback can still hurt you. Yeah, Joe Wood should count his blessings. He's dodged Deshaun Watson twice now in two years <laughs> with the hurricane game a year ago and now this one I completely agree Mary Kay anything's possible when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson out there and now the Browns won't have to worry about that so Doug what's your answer I I said like weirdly concerned and then basically Scott Patsko said he's the Rashard Higgins of quarterbacks and everybody piled on so it's like I guess I guess nobody else is (laughs) they played the Jaguars I mean what would the Browns have done in that preseason game if they had actually had their offense on the field for you know, a quarter even. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to come away. I Like I said, I haven't watched the tape, but I know I'm not going to come away from that game thinking that I'm probably going to be thinking that, yeah, they play the Jaguars and you just kind of have to take that and process it and know that the Jaguars are not the Browns. I do think the the weeks where nobody respects the Browns opponent, we should call the Thursday show. Haven't watched the tape. Just be (laughs) like, I don't know. It wasn't worth it. They're going to win. I, I just want to know how many times Kevin Stefanski is going to refer to them as the one and O Texans this week, like he did right <laughs> after the game mm-hmm. on Sunday. I do want to say there, there is something to be said about competent professional quarterback play. It's not going to elevate the Texans to the playoffs, but there is something to be said about the fact that they don't have, you know, I'm blanking on the, the quarterback they drafted, but it, there's, there's something to be said about having Davis a Mills. Yes. There's something to be said about having a professional at the position who knows what he's doing. You know, the Broncos are going with Teddy Bridgewater, right? Teddy's not spectacular, but he gives them competent professional quarterback play. There's something to be said about that. Yeah, Dan, I I completely agree. This is a Browns team that had wins last year over Colt McCoy and Dwayne Haskins. Uh, You know, Tyrod's two steps above that. So I I, I hear you. Well, the other thing about Tyrod is that, He's going to have, not that it's going to do him much good, because I think the Browns are just so much better, so much better than the Texans. But he is going to have a little bit of that, they gave up on me, 
I was supposed to be the starter and I get hurt and I was completely done. So he'll have a little bit of extra juice going uh, for the Cleveland Browns. And there's something to be said for that, but I just don't think they have what it takes to get it done. This Browns football team is just too good. I almost see this as being just a blowout game. Homecoming. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So I guess I'm up here. All right. So the Browns lose to the Chiefs. My, I'm doing a fill in the blank, just like Doug. The next team to beat the Browns will be blank. You guys need a schedule reminder here? Do I need to run you guys? Yeah. The, yes. Uh, get, I mean, I, our I, listeners I too. I'll, yep. I'll run it through. So it's Houston this week. It's Chicago at home. It's at Minnesota, at the Chargers, home for Arizona and Denver, home for Pittsburgh. Do we know who they open with next year yet? <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. I'll say Arizona, which is pretty far off. And I know, I think I would imagine a lot of people will say the Chargers. That should be a great game. Um, that feels like a game to me where there's going to be a lot of similar things, but I think the Browns are like kind of like a year ahead of the Chargers, sort of in their maturation process. And I think that might show up in a game like that, even though it's in, it's in L.A., uh, but the point that people were kind of mentioning about like Kyler, man, woo boy, that just feels like that could be like a thing. Like the Browns go out there, roll and they get a big win in LA. And then Kyler comes here and just like runs all over the place. And it's like, okay, well that come back to earth a little bit. So I'll say Arizona. Yeah. I'm going with Arizona as well. I, I predicted them to lose that game uh, in our, when we were doing our prediction pieces before the season, I, I see that as a, a tune-up game or a prep game for what Lamar Jackson's going to bring. Uh, also Jedrick Will's not, his health is going to be really key in that one. When you have Chandler Jones and JJ Watt coming on each side, you're going to need both your tackles stout there. And that with that being up in the air and Kyler being the the problem solver he is, it concerns me. And until the Browns and and this Joe was defense and really just the the Browns in general, find a way to slow down or, or hinder playmakers unicorns like kyler murray and lamar jackson i'm going to be concerned every time they they play against quarterbacks like that hmm scott i i mean i'll go with the chargers game i think that's that's one of those you're flying cross country and i i'm not really i mean i look at the texans bears and vikings those are all games and just circumstances around those games that i think they should win um, definitely be favored to win the Chargers game. Just not really sure yet. So if that's a loss, you can kind of understand it. Uh, but I mean, it's hard to point to anybody right now and say this team's, they're definitely going to lose to this team because the Browns are at a point now in their progression where they should be able to compete with everybody. But going across country is never easy. Wow. I am going to say, Week 12 at Baltimore. Well, you're going all the way to week 12. <laughs> that is hot. <laughs> so just to, just to get everybody through, that means after that Pittsburgh game where I ended, at Cincinnati, at New England, versus Detroit, and then it's week 12 at Baltimore. Oh, what, what did you predict their record to be, Mary Kay? 12 and 5. <laughs> wow, they're going to go on a big losing streak there after that so, game, huh? So I yeah, I would, have them, I would have them at, what, 11 and 1? 11 and two or 10 and two. 11 and two going into the bye. Hey, go bold or go home on this pod. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say something boring. We've all said 
the Cardinals and the Chargers. I mean, come on, I got to come up with something different. Um, I, I don't know if I really believe what I'm saying per se here, but it could happen. And you guys know that this could happen. I mean, they could win all of these games all the way till they get up to, you know, having to go to Baltimore. I still think going into Pittsburgh is going to be hard. Uh, even though Green Bay was horrible this past weekend, it could be hard to go into Green Bay and win in Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers wakes up um, and starts playing like he did last year. Um, between now and then, they could they could win every single one of these games. They could go on a really big, big run here, and this loss could be what fuels them. So, yeah, it might seem crazy, but I don't see an unbeatable team between now and then. I don't see an unbeatable team at all. Obviously, it's not going to go like that, but I don't know. Yeah, to, to Mary, to Mary Kay's point, there, there's got to be a, a huge belief and, and sense of confidence in that building, even after this loss to the Chiefs. Remember, this is a, a Browns offense that averaged 8.8 yards per play in the first half. And again, it really came down to uh, Baker Mayfield, fourth throw to Anthony Schwartz, but also one, you know, a, a play that Anthony said he should have caught and a play that Baker said he should have put on the outside shoulder. And, and then a strange play where Baker throws interception on a, a, a scramble where he was trying to get rid of the ball. I mean, two key plays. And we, I mean, if we want to talk about the punter, that, that feels exhausted, but y'all get what I'm saying. This is a, a offense that should feel empowered emboldened in the way they did move the ball at will against the chiefs for really three and a half quarters. And then a defense that is going to dominate up front. And I tweeted it several times during the chiefs game. Football is a simple game when you're better up front on both offense and defense. And I think the, the Browns are going to have an advantage through their schedule this year. Yeah. So as I'm yeah. Thinking, go ahead, Scott. I'll just say that I will say that everybody they play over the next 10 weeks before that uh, Baltimore game is looking at the Browns on their schedule and saying, that's going to be a tough game. Exactly. Because of the lines, I'm telling you, because of the lines, that's, it's just it's just mauling and grueling to go up against someone who's imposingly bigger, better, and more dominant than you up front. And, and it's real easy to kind of go through the schedule and say, oh, well, this team's good, so they're going to lose to them. But that's not, like, that's not going to happen. They're going to beat really good teams this year because yep. they're better than a lot of those really good teams. I, I'll go with Scott here, I guess, kind of going against what I just said. I do think that L.A. game is tough. I think, you know, everybody talks about Indianapolis, how they went from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. The Chargers go from Phillip Rivers, who certainly wasn't Peyton Manning, but still Hall of Fame quarterback probably, to Justin Herbert, who gets to, like, drive this. We talk about Baker's weapons. This guy's got weapons all over the place, too. They fixed that offensive line. Uh, they, they've got some pieces on that defense. That's a really good football team. I think that they are – you're probably right, Doug. They are probably a year behind the Browns. I think next year we're probably talking about them in the same sentence as Browns, Chiefs, Ravens, Chargers, that group in the AFC. But I do think that's a really difficult game. Um, so I, if I had to choose between L.A. and Arizona, which is basically what I'm doing, I, I would pick the road game against the Chargers. But I should have gone before Mary Kay went because she just made all of us a boring. <laughs> well, like I said, you know what? Any of those games obviously can go anyway. And we know that this Cleveland Browns team, and we, we all picked them to either pretty much go to the AFC championship game, right? Or go to the Super Bowl. So if we feel that way about this football team, then obviously they can beat anybody on the schedule. So any, anything can happen in any of those games. 
and it's going to be a wild ride. I mean, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how, uh, how this goes down. Um, they could, you know, I think they'll end up somewhere between, you know, 11 and, and 13 victories, but I don't know. It's going to be fun. I can't believe nobody said uh, Cincinnati in the finale when Nick Mullins is playing quarterback. Okay. Uh, Ellis, you're up. All right. I'm bending the rules slightly uh-huh. here, but I think the language is going to make sense. I- I'm going to throw a would you rather at y'all. Okay. Does that, does that still fit the parameters? Just a little, little zig when y'all zag. Okay. Would you rather have the Browns offense or the Browns defense be on the field to close out a game? Hmm. So wait, are they leading or are they? Well, yeah. I guess. Well, yeah, well, so Browns let, defense either. leading or Browns offense needing to score. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm going to go Browns offense. I think, I think what we saw the other day was an anomaly. I think that Baker Mayfield will learn from that mistake. He only threw one interception in the final nine games last year. I think that he's going to be mad at himself for that. And, uh, I still think that there are so many places to go with this football and so many ways to score that I, I just think that um, I, I think I'd rather see the pick your poison offense on the field in that situation. To well, I'm going to agree with you, Mary Kay. And the, the reason is, and people should not take this the wrong way. I'll qualify this. I still think this defense can be good. But we just don't, there's more questions right now about this defense because we haven't seen them go against a normal football team. You you just, you can't judge this team against the Chiefs. Um, I I actually looked it up. The team that gave up the most yards to the Chiefs in the regular season last year, you guys know who it was? The Buccaneers. Mm. They gave up over 500 yards to the Chiefs in November, not like in September, in November. And then they shut them down in the Super Bowl. But the Chiefs just do weird things to your defense. That was one of the best defenses in football. So I just, we just don't know. Like we aren't 100% certain what this defense is under Joe Woods right now. And I think we have a good idea of what this offense looks like at its best. So I'm going to go with the offense as well. I'll, um, well, first off, this really depends on who they're playing. But <laughs> right now, I'll say the offense. Um, but I think by the end of the season, I might lean towards the defense because at its, I guess, at the best of what our expectations are for it, if everybody is healthy and involved and like the potential to have a defense that really like, like a Steelers type defense that can take over a game and have impact plays like that. I I might feel more confident about the situation if they're on the field trying to protect the lead over the Browns trying to drive down the field and score. We, we just saw that, you know, week one, it didn't happen. Uh, but still right now I'll take the offense, but I don't know that I'll feel that way, you know, 10, 11, 12 weeks from now. I feel like this is almost too good of a, of a question for a podcast. Like that. we could do a whole podcast on this and ask the tech subscribers and really debate this. Alice, bringing it. <laughs> So I actually am going to pick the defense and I'm going to do it because I'm assuming we're 
I mean, you didn't say two minute drill, but we're not talking about like the six minutes left, right? We're talking about like, it's, it's time to go, right? Exactly. I, yep. I, I'm guessing, right? So to me, offensively, I, I don't love how Kevin Stefanski starts drives when it's go time at the end of a game. And they're so predicated on the run sets everything else up, depending how much time you have left. Either if you start with the run like they did on Sunday, it can feel slow and you're not getting going. But if you don't start with the run, then you're not really setting up your offense the way that you work the best. Whereas the defense, if I feel like the other team has to pass, and again, as Scott said, this is the non-Patrick Mahomes edition. So I assume we're talking about playing normal human quarterbacks, not him. (laughs) If I'm going to let Garrett and Clowney tee off in a passing situation, if I'm going to let Denzel Ward try to do his job, Greg Newsome, all right, John Johnson, roam around a little bit. I like that matchup, I think, because I think the defense is more predicated to get after a team that has to throw at the end of a game, maybe than the Browns are to be a team that has to throw to win a game in a two-minute. I'm not saying that Baker and Odell and Jarvis can't do it, but if you're letting me let Miles Garrett tee off, I think I'll take the defense. It's a good question. It's a, it's a good, would you rather? Yeah. I, I like this a lot. Um, plus I think that the offense is still going to get better, better. I think they can take it up another notch. Odell Beckham Jr. is not back yet. Uh, I think we all thought it was very curious that Donovan Peoples Jones only got one target yesterday. I still can't figure that out. I know Scott's going to be looking into that, uh, more this week, but, um, I just thought that was odd. And I know that every week as we go along, we're going to be saying, why didn't this guy get the ball? Why did that guy get the ball? And part of the reason is because not uh, everybody can get the ball every week. It's just not going to happen. But I think they're going to get there. I think they're going to figure out what they love to do. Um, I think they still have to figure out what defenses are going to take away and what, what they're going to make them work for. And I think that the, the Chiefs made the Browns offense work for some things in the second half with some really good second half defensive adjustments. Um, and I think if, if more teams do that, then it's going to be incumbent upon the offense to sort of uh, counterattack and figure out how to, how to beat that. But I still think this is pick your poison. And, and for the most part, when they're not making mistakes, uh, I, I think that I'd put my money on this offense. I think, Doug, you brought up the key name, though, is Miles Garrett. Like, do you really want – do you want Miles Garrett on the field in that situation, right? I mean, we saw him make the huge play against the Chiefs, so I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now, I think Miles Garrett is the only bona fide known commodity when the game's on the line on this roster, which is why I lean def- defense like Doug. I came up with this question last night – watching the end of that Raiders Ravens game. And when the Raiders got the ball back with, you know, a little, well, I think it was a little less than 30 seconds left. It, it took them two plays to get into field goal position. And then Daniel Carlson kicks a 55 yarder to, to tie it. Does anyone on this podcast feel comfortable in the Browns having a, a chance to tie a game or even win it where Baker does what Carr did. And then they're in that spot. So in a way I'm answering the defense because again, it's the bona fide known commodity because of Miles Garrett and his ability to end the game. And I'm combining Baker. Look, Baker Mayfield only six uh, game-winning drives, fourth-quarter drives in his career. Combining that, like Doug said, a, a lack of 
got to have it plays from Kevin Stefanski as of late uh, against, uh, you know, strong, aggressive defenses. And then you combine that with the unknown on the special teams. I think it tips defense and you give Miles Garrett a a chance just to wreck it and and end one. Real quick, can I throw a wrinkle onto your question here, Ellis? And this is a complete hypothetical because it would never happen. But so the college overtime rules where – you go to the like the two point shootout after what is it now the, the third overtime? Yeah. So it's basically alternating two point plays. Would you rather have the Browns offense or the Browns defense in that situation? Yeah. If you're talking the red zone, I'm taking the Browns offense. Yeah. 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 I'm leaning that way too. They we've all, we've been on the record of how dominant they are in the red zone, and and that seems to be where Kevin is at his best. It's between the twenties with this team that I, I still, I need to see execute late. Okay, Scott, what do you have for us? All right, so I have a fill in the blank question and we've kind of danced around this and, and touched on it a little bit here. M- mine is the Browns pass rush was blank against the chiefs. Um, and I'll, I'll give you some, some numbers here while you're thinking about that. Uh, they had seven, they pressured Mahomes 17 out of his 41 dropbacks. Sacked twice, he had to scramble three times. Garrett, eight pressures in that game. Clowney and Jackson, four each. McKinley, two. Mahomes' time to throw was 2.64 seconds. And if you listen to Gotta Watch Tape last week, we mentioned how if he holds the ball for longer than two and a half seconds, he's usually not as good. That wasn't really the the case as much in this game. He still completed like over 60% of his passes when he did that. But when he was in a clean pocket, he got rid of it in less than two seconds. And I think that... And that was, by the way, that was the quickest time to throw in the league in week one. So they clearly had a plan to reduce the impact of the Browns pass rush in that game. Um, but as I've said before here today, that like watching them, though, I'm thinking most quarterbacks aren't as good and as elusive as Mahomes. Most teams don't have receivers who get to where they need to be so quickly or have Travis Kelsey, you know, best tight end in the league, able to to get open. So even though they didn't get to him as much as they probably wanted to, I come away from that game thinking the Browns pass rush was really promising against the chiefs. Uh, and I'm kind of excited to see them definitely over the next few weeks. I do want to see those pressure numbers though, taking into account again, like I said, there was at least one miles Garrett play where they just didn't block him. And they threw over the top. Clowney, they, they got him on one of those. Malik Jackson, they got him on one of those. That being said, I'm going to say that the Browns' pass rush was everything you thought it could be against the Chiefs. But I do think those pressure numbers might be a little skewed just because I, I do think the Chiefs used that against them just a little. I'm going to say that it was a sneak preview, if I can use it as my fill in the blank. The pass rush was just a sneak preview of what it's going to be. And I say that for a couple of reasons. Number one, Jadavian Clowney was sick all week long, okay? Now, maybe by the time he got to Sunday and he was out playing in 92-degree heat, maybe he felt absolutely great after not practicing all week. But chances are he can take it up another level after not practicing most of the week and being sick most of the week. So I think you're going to see better from him. Uh, Tack is still knocking off the rust, okay? Tack missed three weeks of training camp, and that's a lot. Generally, when guys missed most of training camp, there is a learning curve back up to where they were before. 
So I still think Tack's going to get better. I think he's going to be still disruptive. Malik McDowell, that was his first game, and it was a good first game. As we know, he graded out better than any Browns defender, according to Pro Football Focus. So I think Malik Jackson, I mean, Malik McDowell uh, has another level or two to go up with his game. And then JOK, uh, you know, he, he played, you know, kind of like a rookie. He had some rookie ups and downs in this game. And I don't think that they really used him the way that they will. I think he's going to blitz a lot more. I think he's going to be more involved in the pass rush as they go along. Uh, so I think, I think it's going to get a lot better. I think this was Joe Woods kind of seeing how all the pieces and parts fit. I don't think the defense is really going to be humming along until they play the whole entire first quarter of the season together, because you still have to figure out who do we like on the goal line? Who do we love in the big nickel package? Uh, you know, I, I still think it's a matter of putting the puzzle pieces together, but the fact that they can keep these guys so fresh by rolling in the guys that they do on that line. I mean, it's like, where's Waldo? You look up and it's a bunch of new guys out there on that defensive line. And that's why you can have Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney converging on Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter to make what, what could have been the play of the game or one of the biggest plays of the game had they pulled it out in the end because they're so darn fresh. And that's going to that's gonna continue throughout the whole entire season. So I would say it's a sneak preview of what is to come. And I think NFL quarterbacks should, for the most part, be afraid. What was the question again? What was the phrasing exactly, Scott? <laughs> I was I was waiting for the, you to the, ask the same question. The Doug. Browns' pass rush was blank against the Chiefs. Okay, the Browns' pass rush was better than Ohio State's against the Chiefs. I don't have a better answer than that because it's Tuesday, and I've spent all day asking people what is wrong with Ohio State's defense. They didn't have any sacks against Oregon, so uh, I will leave the great analysis of this to you, other guys. Ohio State's defense is not good right now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't watch much college football, but I think I watched the third quarter and it was um, the safeties don't know where guys are. Hey, 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 we could use some film breakdowns on the Buckeyes if you got a little free time, Mr. Ellis. Oh, plenty of free time on this Browns beat. You know how it is. Um, All right. Switching back to the NFL, I'm going to say, and I don't know if this terminology is going to directly fit the, the blank, but the Browns defensive line needs Joe Woods needs to support the defensive line more. Uh, What I learned in that game is that too often the middle of the field and and soft spots in the zone were available to the chiefs offense. And when you have that fierce of a pass rush, allowing, like Scott said, Patrick Mahomes to get the ball off that quickly completely negates your strength. What is, which is clearly going to be the strength of this defense. Mary Kay's right this defense is not anywhere near where it's going to be at its peak form, but there's going to come a point where Joe Woods is going to have to let his athletes play football. And when you can get in the face of your, the opposing wide receivers, tight ends and backs with the athletes that the Browns have invested at safety and at corner, it's going to be doomsday for quarterbacks sitting back there because no one's like Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to be hard on Joe Woods this year. I'm going to keep beating the table for this man defense until I see it. I'm worried I won't because that hasn't been Joe Woods' MO. It remains to be seen. But it, it to me, it's 
it, it's it's a, it's slightly it's talent wasted when you see a quarterback able to throw the ball in under two seconds and, and the pass rush is negated that way rather than letting them play football. And there there was a a second or the chief second drive. There was a good play that showed that it was and they had McKinley Garrett and uh, Miles Miles Jadavian Clowney and McKinley all on the field together along with uh, Malik Jackson and Anthony Walker also blitzed on that play. So they were coming on third and long and Mahomes still got the ball out for probably like a 10 yard gain over the middle to Tyreek Hill. He didn't put up the numbers. He had the big sack, but eyeball test. Was this one of the best games you've seen Miles Garrett play? I, I just, I, I thought 95 was all over the place. I, I really did. And, and like I said, I, I mean, I mentioned the stuff where again, Andy Reid was kind of using that a little bit, but I thought 95 was, you know, and I haven't rewatched the entire game. I've just rewatched some spurts, but like, I I saw ninety five a lot. Just yeah, straight eyeball test. Go ahead, Mary Kay. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say yes, and and the other thing uh, that I, I put a, a large premium on both ways, uh, coming up with a big play in the clutch. And when you come up with mm-hmm. the sack like he did on that third down play in the fourth quarter to give your offense the ball back with 249 left and give them a chance to win the football game, that is what you expect from Miles Garrett. That's what you expect from a generational pass rusher picked number one overall in the NFL. So even a lot of stuff that happened before, which was really good, to do that in that moment is huge. So I would say, yes, that that's one of his better games. Yeah, the Cowboys game comes to mind a year ago. Yeah. He, he just seemed like LeBron James out there in that one. Uh, but degree degree of difficulty much higher in this one. And Mary Kay is right. When, in those got-to-have-it moments, as I stress on the offense, Miles Garrett bested Patrick Mahomes and the magician he is in the pocket and got the ball back to the offense. He even said after the game he was trying to get the ball. You know, So what, what else do you want him to do? Strip the ball, pick it up, and then score? Uh, you know, He did exactly what he needed to do. And the offense fell short. We already went over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you do have to wait who they're playing, right? I mean, he had a great game against Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. And that, you know, you, the opponent shouldn't take away from it. But also, when you have a great game against a, a great team, that should help your case. Even if the stats and the numbers don't all line up with, like, what he did against the Bengals last year or, or against, you know, the Cowboys, you know, whatever it is. I, I just think... I saw 95 out there chasing around Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes a lot in, in this football game. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I think we've all done one. I do not have a second one. Does anyone have a second one that they want to throw out that they think is really good? Dan, you I took my it. second one. <laughs> I, I have one that might be kind of fun, and it's timely, yeah. and we could only do it this week. Mm-hmm. True or false, Baker Mayfield was trying to throw the ball away. <laughs> On the interception. Conspiracy oh, time. No. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I'll, 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 I'll start with this one because I'll just walk you through this. This is so fun. I love this, Mary Kay. <laughs> when, it first, when it first happened, I thought, no way was he trying to throw that away. He's, he's trying to make a play. Then, as I tend to do, and I may be in the wrong field when I say this, I, I tend to believe people when they say something because, yeah, you know, of course, he was trying to throw it away. And then Kevin – on Monday, he says he's trying to throw it away, even though after the game he said he was trying to make a play. And then you start thinking about the chances of an interception happening if he wasn't trying to make a play. I mean, there are just a zillion different places to put that football if you're 
trying to throw it away and it goes directly to the corner. I'm going to go, I'm going to tilt back the other way. I think he, he was trying to make a play. And of course you, there's, you never admit it. There's no reason to, uh, but that's, that's Baker pressing and uh, Kevin using his language very well saying you got to find a way to have an incompletion there. I, I'm I'm rewatching the play as we're doing this. So you guys, you guys, <laughs> It's going to be like this Bruder film is what it's yeah. going to be like, right? I mean, you could do a, a full-on investigation of this whole thing and analyze what they say. Well, I had theorized, and I'm still trying to find this, this play here on Game Pass. I, I theorized that he was trying to protect Harrison Bryant okay. because he said in his answer that Harrison Bryant came up to apologize to him. And so kind of Baker set the tone on, on what the, the company line might be. And Kevin did what you're supposed to do as a head coach and didn't turn it into a sideshow and went along with it. I don't know. This is, I don't know. I'm fine in here. I'm going to find this play. So Dan, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, the receiver and target. Let's keep in mind six, five Harrison Bryant against a five ten Mike Hughes at corner. Seems like a pretty safe throw to give your tight end a jump ball opportunity near the sideline. Mm. Okay, and- I'm, I'm actually, I'm watching it right now. Why would Harrison Bryant feel the need to apologize if Baker was trying to just throw the ball away? Why is that? Why does that require an apology? What am I Unless thinking? he felt like he should have broken it up. Okay. Yeah, you, you may just feel guilty regard, just because of the in, uh, outcome. As a, as a receiver, you know, you do everything you can to make sure that's not an interception. So I was asking, Dan, if you're rewatching this play. Yeah. I was asking Ellison Scott about this. When you watch it, Joel Batonio kind of stops blocking the guy he's blocking. And that's the guy who trips up Baker. Like he gets away from Batonio and the guy next to Batonio is still blocking. Now listen, it's scramble mode. I know it's crazy, whatever. I'm not like blaming Joel Batonio, but is it possible that Baker maybe had an opportunity to just throw it away? And he turned down the first opportunity to throw it away. Then he decided I'm out. Like I'm out. I escaped. I'm going to make a play. And then he unexpectedly gets tripped by a guy that he doesn't think is there. And then as he's falling down, now he's trying to throw it away. So it's did throw it away, tried to make a play, tried to throw it away. So everyone's telling the truth at the same time. <laughs> and there is no truth. So if you, if you watch, here you go. Here's your, here's your Zapruder film of it. If you watch his arm as yeah. he's going down, it is sort of an exaggerated, like I'm trying to get as much on this football as I can. So I kind of feel like maybe he was trying to throw it away. But Dan, do you think Batonio kind of stopped? Like, I, I feel like I'm I could with- do a, a three or a podcast on that just because I'm curious, like, what's the ideal thing that should happen there? It would make sense to me that he sees Harrison Bryant. He thinks he's out. And he's like, I'm going to throw a jump ball to my giant tight end. And then it's like, I'm falling, throw it away. <laughs> and it's too late. Yeah. Okay. So I'm watching Batonio here too, trying to see what uh, happens. He looks, Batonio, I think, thought the ball was out. Because there's a point where he looks downfield as he, as he stops. He thinks the ball is out and it has to be out. And then he kind of, he kind of stops. Um, that's so, the way I took that. Yeah. Batonio, Batonio and Treader had kind of set up a little wall for Baker to kind of go through that kind of get into that gap a little bit and then Sorensen kind of ran around it the other way and got he kind of got lost in the in the wash there a little bit um it's like a lot was happening at the same time but I could understand how like within 
a second and a half, Baker changed his mind three times. Right. And yeah. that's what they're trying to explain. I'm also trying to see, I wish the problem is you can't see Harrison Bryant until the ball's getting delivered. Right. Oh, the all 22 view would be great on this. Is that an all 22? Camera view is not wide and it's not in any replays. This is probably great podcasting. Me doing play by play of watching <laughs> the replay of a play. Scott, what do you think? I, I think he was trying to get it to Bryant. And I think if we saw the all the over 22, the coach's view, we would see maybe Bryant in a better position than he was oh, yeah, when, when the camera moves to him on the broadcast. Uh, the fact that Baker throws it exactly in his direction makes you think right, he's trying right. to make a play there. There was room to get it out of bounds closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, we don't, I mean, we don't know. If they say he's throwing it away, fine. But just looking at this, my first thought is he's trying to make a play there. Let me make the case that he was trying not to get called for grounding, though, too, because right. he might not have technically been out of the pocket. So he had to at least make it close enough to Harrison Bryant to make it look like it was a like there shouldn't have been a flag. But I, I don't know. I, I think I might actually be team for a at this point. I think that I think that the truth could be somewhere in the middle. Like Doug is saying, I think uh, he changed his mind a couple times and it just was what was the last thing that was on his mind before he released the ball. But I thought the direction of the pass and Baker all night, this whole entire game, he was directionally sound. He was very accurate. He was putting the ball where he wanted to put it. And he doesn't, doesn't always do that. Uh, there are times when Baker sails the ball or he's a little off the mark, but that wasn't who he was on this particular night. And I know it's different when somebody has you by the feet, but it still seems to me like his eyes were on Harrison Bryant and he, there was just some thought that I am going to be Patrick Mahomes here and I'm going to be Superman and I'm going to make a magical play and I'm just going to kill it with this completion to Harrison. Right. I also don't think he thought that guy was going to get him. Like, I, I really think he was surprised. I think it was a little, you know, like in Forrest Gump when Forrest is car- carrying Bubba out of the jungle <laughs> and he says something bit me. And it's that <laughs> he got shot in the butt. It's like Baker was like, he was coming out of the jungle and he thought he was okay. And then he got shot in the butt and he wasn't expecting it. And then it's like, oh, you, you're like, you're freaking out. So I, I think he thought like, I have a window here. Like I've escaped and I'm good to go. And here we go, jump ball. And then this, the dude made a play. Well, Doug and Ellis and Scott, if you haven't just burnt all your notes, forgot to watch the tape to do a whole episode on what happened on that final play. I'm going to be very disappointed. In the three. <laughs> They don't want to do it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do an hour on one play and they're like, we want to break down all kinds of stuff. They're too smart for me. We just, we just feel incomplete with all the all 22. It's just, it's an uncomfortable yeah. state for the, for the got to watch the tape team right now. Yeah. Oh, right. Did, anybody, so much. did anybody have anything else? Nothing as good as that. I think that's a good ending spot. Uh, a couple things uh, here, just a couple of reviews, a five-star review from Jno 13 as a huge Browns fan who is currently on the road every day for grad school. So obviously a very smart person. You want to listen to him or, or her. This has been my daily go-to podcast for the latest news, speculations, and predictions on everything Cleveland Browns. Listening to the whole game makes me feel closer to home and gets me pumped up for every NFL Sunday. A couple of predictions some folks sent in uh, since the crew went an entire episode without mentioning his name. This uh, Paul predicted a Troy Hill pick six did not happen. It's okay, Paul. I think, I think we all missed on some of our predictions. 
Um, and then there was another prediction in here too. Uh, OBJ and Ajoku outgain and outscore Hill and Kelsey. Unfortunately, Tyreek Hill had almost like 200 receiving yards in this game. So that one became a little bit of difficult. And shout out to MTM720 who said fantastic show and left us a five-star review. So we're doing our predictions again for Friday's podcast. So if you want to leave some five-star reviews, unfortunately, I didn't think of this until we were like done recording the pod last time. If you can get us some five-star reviews with your bold predictions for Sunday's Browns-Texans game, uh, get it to me by like Thursday afternoon. You might uh, have your prediction pop up on the show, but it's got to be a five-star review. That's the rule. <laughs> five-star review, or I'm not even looking at it. Uh, and also make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber. I might take these questions and send them out to our texters. Go ahead, Mary Kay. Dan, I was just going to say, it's like my parenting style. I once, uh, my, my youngest daughter once said to me, Mom, I do not accept bribes. And I said, Cameron, it's my number one parenting technique. <laughs> and I love that we're using uh, that on the pod to get our five-star reviews. Hey, bribes of the world. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber to Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. So for Mary Kay, Ellis, Scott, and Doug, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.